My name is Onyx. Thank you for joining me for Ponderings of a Pagan Priest. The topics in this podcast will vary as I am led. All that wander are not lost. Thank you for joining me for uh, another episode of Ponderings of a Pagan Priest. As you already know, I am Onyx, and I am the one that is pondering. So, uh, first off, I'd like to offer my heartfelt apologies to all of you out there uh, for not having published a podcast in quite some time. Those of you who are close to me personally uh, know that a lot of things have been going on in my life, a lot of changes, a lot of challenges. Uh, but challenges are such that we grow through. So, not always a bad thing. So, uh, I know that's a little not very direct, not very telling to those of you who do not know me personally. And for that, I apologize, but some things are private. And I hope you understand that. But I am back. And I really appreciate all of you who reached out to me to find out if things were going okay. And, and if there was another podcast coming down the tubes and um, to to paraphrase or to paraquote uh, the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated but I am back in the saddle and I am still pondering and I will be bringing podcast episodes to you more frequently now and again I want to thank you thank all of you who reached out and had the patience uh, to hang in there with me. So as you know by the title, I want to talk about ravens today. Ravens. What is a raven? What is raven? What what does a raven symbolize? Um, but one of the first things I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the differences between ravens and crows. Uh, or at least biologically. Because a lot of people that I run into don't know the difference. Uh, a lot of people in my area will see crows because they are quite prevalent in this area and call them ravens, and they're not. Uh, there are ravens in this area, but they're not nearly as prevalent as crows. So what are they? You know, well, first of all, let's, let's talk a little bit, you know, in when we talk about ancient stories, which we'll talk about later, we'll, we'll talk about cultural, uh, cultural ravens, etc., like that, all, you know, throughout mythology and history and culture. But you got to understand that in, that in some ancient stories, it's very difficult for us to tell whether this story is talking about a raven or a crow or maybe, you know, some other member uh, uh, of the Corvid family. Uh, I mean, that family includes not only the ravens and the crows, but also the magpies, the jays, the rooks, jackdaws, uh, and tree pies, nutcrackers. There's a lot of black birds. And not always do we know exactly which one they're talking about in ancient myth- mythology, ancient history, ancient lore. So, 
what are the differences? How do we how do we how do we know whether it's a crow or a raven or something else? Usually, the ones that are mistaken for each other are crows and ravens. So we'll focus on that. Um, they look a lot alike, um, especially because you know the shiny black feathers and everything. But there are some pretty significant differences between the two. The first and, and easiest difference, and it's not really a hardline difference, is the fact that they're a lot different in size. Ravens are larger than crows on the average. Uh, I mean, ravens can grow up to almost a four-foot wingspan. Ravens are big birds. Uh, crows can be fairly large, but none of them are that large. Uh, now, is it a small raven or a large crow? Well, generally speaking, ravens you will see in pairs. And generally speaking, crows you will see in large groups. Uh, I say generally speaking because there are times where ravens will be in a large group, especially when they're looking for a mate. Uh, during that mating thing, so you'll find them in groups. Um, but generally speaking, ravens do not hang out in groups. Crows do. Although there are a few times, like during nesting, that crows will hang out in pairs as well. So there's one initial litmus test to determine whether what you're seeing is a crow or what you're seeing is a raven. Look at the size and look at whether there's a couple of them or there's a bunch of them. Generally speaking, if they are large black birds that are in pairs, it possibly is a raven. If it's a not quite so large black bird, but there's tons of them, it's probably a crow. Now, if you see the bird in flight, it's very easy to tell the difference between a raven and a crow, regardless of size. Because look at the tail feathers when they're in flight. It's easy to tell. A raven has longer middle tail feathers, but crow's tail feathers are all the same length. So if you see these birds in flight, the raven's tail feathers will kind of look like a pointed wedge, and the crow's will look more like a fan. Now that is a dead giveaway on whether it's a crow or a raven, because raven's tail feathers, when in flight, when they're fanned out, will kind of look like a wedge, and crow's tail feathers will be more rounded, look more like a fan. Easy way to tell the difference. Also, if you hear them, their sounds are different. Um, the raven's sound is like a croaking sound, while the crow is more like a cawing sound. Now, we'll talk later about the intelligence and the, uh, lack of a better word, vocabulary of these birds. But generally speaking, if you hear them, it sounds more like a croak, it's probably a raven. If it sounds more like a call, it's probably a crow. So, let's, let's, get, let's delve into this, okay? 
let's let's look into this a little bit. Now, where do we want to start? Okay, well, we, let's let's talk about some of the shared meanings uh, that we see kind of throughout different history, uh, different cultures, and and such. We're gonna see as we go through that that common themes that you'll see are like intelligence. Uh, cunning, you'll see survivability, adaptability, uh, you'll see transformation, you'll see prophecy insight, uh, you'll see things like partnership and guidance, uh, you'll see communication between the two realms, uh, you know, between the living and, and the other world. Uh, a lot of these things you'll see patterns in different cultures. So, since since a lot of, uh, uh, from what I understand from my demographics, a lot of the people who listen uh, to my podcast love Celtic symbolism, Celtic mythology. So let's start there with with the Celts. Okay, um, the anybody that knows anything about Celtic and English mythology knows that the the, the raven. Is very prominent uh, throughout the mythology of these two these two peoples. Uh, Bron the Blessed is a character in Welsh mythology who na- whose name actually means raven. Um, and you've got you know Bran was a was a fierce warrior who was beheaded. Uh, the legend says that his head is buried beneath what's now the Tower of London, and his head is facing France. And that Bran's head is thought to protect the city of London. Uh, you know, even to this day, there are ravens that roost in the tower. Uh, and many Londoners still believe that if they leave, the city of London will be unprotected. And, and in fact, the ravens did leave during the bombing. You know, during the bombing of, of London during World War II. And it's so inured in the Londoners' perception of safety that Winston Churchill made sure to to put ravens back in the tower. Um, and you know, when we move back in town, we talk about King Arthur's legend, the legend of King Arthur, all of that the history. There's a lot of mystery about how and where King Arthur died and was buried. One of the legends is that he died at Avalon and was turned into a raven. And then we see later in the 13th century, there's a Welsh story called The Dream of Ranawi. Now, Ranawi dreams that King Arthur talks to him and he mentions ravens being used in battles. Now, going over into the Celtic, uh, we'll talk about you know the ancient Celts uh, the raven was associated with battle. Now, we probably because, and, and you'll see this throughout a lot of culture and everything, probably because the ravens are carrion birds, uh, or at least uh, partially so. They're carrion-eating birds. So you'll see the ravens are often in, in, in fields of battle. Um, 
We talk about the Celtic goddess, the Morrigan. She was the goddess of war and death. She's associated with ravens. We all, you know, most of us know this already. Uh, and it's believed that the ravens assisted her in defeating the warrior's enemies. We, we also have the Celts. In the Celts, we talk about the Scottish goddess, Calachir, who was the goddess of rebirth and fertility. She's also associated with ravens. The Celtic god Lu, who's a sun god, master of artisans, master of skills, uh, warfare. We see that he's very much associated with ravens as well. So we see that the raven is very, very inured into Celtic mythology. Even when we talk about Maud, who is the, you know, the queen of the fae, uh, is associated with the raven. Uh, moving around a little bit, uh, let's, let's talk. What about the Norse? You know, in, in, in the Norse, we know that the raven was very much, uh, very much, a part of the Norse mythology as well. We talk about Hugin and Munin, uh, who are the two ravens that accompanied the Allfather, the god Odin. Uh, these two ravens, uh, Hugin generally translated as thought, Munin generally translated as memory, were like Odin's spies. I mean, he, he sent them out to the, the world of Midgard to bring him back news of things going on there so that he could stay up to, up to speed, so to speak. Um, so there are a lot of, of Norse depictions very, um, very much settled into the the Norse mythology. Uh, there are uh, many Norse uh, Norsemen who became Vikings uh, had the raven emblazoned on their pennant. Uh, Rothgar Lothbrok had a raven. On his pennant, and there are many, many others. Um, the raven was 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 very much a symbol of power and a symbol of being able to take charge of your their environment. So from there, let's move over and talk about ravens in another culture. We can go all around the world. We're in. We're in. We're in, you know, in, in the Viking area now. Let's move over. Let's go across the sea, and let's talk about ravens in Native American mythology. Now, ravens are all over Native American mythology. Almost every nation in in Native American mythology um, has has their discussions of raven and. A lot, a lot of them throughout, throughout all the different Native American cultures, you'll see the raven is always seen as very powerful. Uh, they're, they're, they could be shapeshifters. Uh, they could transition from bird and to, to human and back. Uh, 
in, in almost all Native American nations and mythologies, the raven's considered a very wise bird, even, and, and most of them, he, he or she is considered, considered the wisest of all the birds, and in some cases, even, even having the ability to speak. If you, if you look up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, way up north, you know, you're talking about the Haida people and, and the Tlingit people, the, these people up in here, the raven was depicted as a very smart trickster who protected good people and who could outsmart his enemies. You know, we're talking, you know, when we're talking about the, the Tlingit and the Haida people, uh, there are many, many, many different raven stories. Uh, the raven is seen as a creator spirit. Uh, the raven is present for the creation of everything. Everything from daylight to fresh water to the ocean tides, everything. And for the, if, if we talk specifically about the Haida people who are up from what we now call British Columbia, the raven was a creator as well as a healer and a magician. Uh, the raven is seen as, as having brought the sun, the moon, the stars, the fire, the fresh water, all this. Now, when we get out in the Southwest, the American Southwest, we're talking about, you know, the Navajo, the Hopi, Zuni, uh, these, these, these nations over in here, we see that the raven is a sacred being in the ghost dance. Now, what is the ghost dance? The ghost dance is a very spiritual ritual for protection and for the resistance against oppression. Uh, in fact, if you do a little research on the ghost dance, you'll find out that the U.S. government outlawed the ghost dance uh, at one point. Um, for the Sioux people, the raven was viewed as a savior who could lift the ghost dancers up to heaven when the great flood came. So you'll see that as well. You'll also find that the raven was seen as to be able to help the hunters, the Native, Native American hunting parties, because it would help help the hunting parties find prey, like the bison and the antelope and you know the deer, all this. Um, and to the Cherokee. They have a number, a number of different stories about the raven as well. One popular story is that of the raven mocker. So in Cherokee, in Cherokee culture, if a person gets sick, um, their illness, their sickness can attract bad spirits who will come and, 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 and try to get the person to die quicker. One of these evil spirits is the raven mocker who will try to rob the people of their life. So while the family and friends of this sick person might not be able to see the evil spirits, and, and you know, there can be a lot of them, uh, they won't know why their, 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 their dear one is, is you know, getting closer and closer to death, getting worse. The, the raven mocker will try to steal the heart from the sick person. And if they're successful, what they'll do is they'll sew up the wound in such a way that the family doesn't even know what happens. So only the medicine man uh, can drive the raven mocker away. So this person 
this medicine man must gotta watch over the sick person. And if this if if the sick person does die, then the, the medicine man must be you must he must also he always watch, keep an eye on this person until the person is buried to make sure that the Raven Mocker doesn't steal the heart. Um, so, and that, that goes on along uh, with a lot of other things that happen in the Native American mythology. So if you're interested in that, I, I encourage you to do some more research. That's not really, you know, Native American mythology and spirituality is not really my forte. It's not really my wheelhouse. I have a passing interest but I really don't know a whole lot. So if you are interested or if you know, I encourage you to delve into that or even you know, hit me up and, and um, uh, enlighten my ignorance if I've spoken out of turn here. Um, now let's go back across the water and uh, let's, let's, let's go to Egypt. All right, Even in Egypt, um, we see that the raven is important. Now we, yeah, you know, we all know that the raven. Excuse me. We all know that the Egyptians connected their deities with animals. I mean, you know, we've got, you know, all, all, most of the different uh, Anubis, Bast, all this. Nephthys is the sister of Isis. She was the god of the dead, and she was absolutely connected and associated with the raven. So, we see in Egypt, you know, uh, Greek and Roman mythology, uh, the Greeks associated Raven with the god Apollo. So, Apollo was the god of prophecy. And here we see one of the instances where, and we'll talk about another instance as well, uh, where the raven was originally thought to be a white bird. Because according to the story, the, the, the Greek story uh, of Coronas, uh, who is Apollo's lover, Coronas uh, falls in love with a woman. With, I misspoke. Coronas falls in love with a man named Isthus. So Apollo is getting suspicious, so he sends his white raven to spy on Coronas. The raven comes back, tells Apollo that Coronas is cheating, involved with issues, and of course this really, really ticks off Apollo. So at that point, Apollo throws a fiery curse at Coronas, which also happens to singe the feathers of his raven turning the raven black. So there's one of the stories on why the raven is black. And as we go through, we'll find other instances on what, what makes, why the raven is considered to be black now. Um, I'm not real familiar with the myth, but it's one of the Native American uh, myths about the raven was white and the raven stole fire, uh, stole the sun, the moon, the stars um, from a longhouse and was bringing it out uh, to people. He hung the sun 
uh, when the sun set, he hung the moon and the stars. He still had the branch of fire in his uh, in his mouth and his beak. And as he flew, uh, the, the branch grew closer and closer to his beak as it burned, and, and the smoke singed his feathers, turning him black before he uh, before he dropped the uh, fire into the rocks. And that's the story of why. Um, both the the raven is black, and also why if you strike two rocks together, you get sparks of fire. Uh, I don't remember what nation mythology that is. I just read it uh, a couple of times somewhere. So if you know where that comes from, then it would be great uh, to hear from you. Um, so. You know the raven. If we can go back, and even in 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 the Bible, you know, uh, both as the Bible and in the Judaic, um, you know, the Talmud before that, you know, what became the Bible, the Old Testament. There's lots of raven symbolism there. Uh, remember that Noah first sends out a, a raven uh, to find dry land after the flood. Uh, but the raven doesn't return. Um, and then later, Noah sends out a, um, a dove. Um, so we also talk, if, if, you, if you remember the story, uh, if you remember the story of Elijah, as, as talked about in the book of Kings, um, God sends ravens to feed Elijah. Uh, the quote, it, I, I, I happened to look it up because I thought it was interesting. In, in Kings 17.4, uh, the quote is, You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So God sends ravens to feed Elijah. In the story of Cain and Abel, uh, in uh is probably more illustrated in the the Muslim books uh, of the translation or the version of the story of, of Cain and Abel. It's the raven. It's through the raven. It, it's through the raven that Abel learns how to bury his brother Cain. Uh, so, and, and there's plenty of other uh, raven symbolisms in the Bible. So, yeah, the raven has been a major player in a lot of different cultures and, and histories and folklore around the world. Um, you know, we, even even in even in modern times, think of the Game of Thrones. Okay, we're not going to go into all that, but uh, you know, the three-eyed raven. Why is it three-eyed? Well, third eye. You know, so you know, we 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 talk about. We can go around and we can talk about uh, Germanic culture. Ravens are there. Uh, England. We've talked about that. Even in, in Serbia, Hindu Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, even as far back. As, as Zoroaster, uh, we see that the raven uh, figures very prominently. Um, so this black, this large black bird, 
has been in our culture, no matter where our culture comes from, for a long, long, long time. And it's always been something that has captured our imagination and our attention. So, when we start talking about ravens as as spirit animals or totem animals or power animals, let's go down those routes for a minute. Um, what what about raven as a spirit animal? Hey, okay. uh. The, the, the raven is, is considered among a lot to be a secret keeper of core of sorts. So when when raven is a spirit animal, um, you you will you should or you will keep confidence really tightly. Uh, you'll you'll hold your trust. You should hold your trust. Uh, Raven in this aspect as a spirit animal just has absolutely no patience for two-faced dishonesty. Um, and who and those that interact with Raven as a spirit animal are, are always called to new levels of honor. Um, but Raven is symbolic of trickster energy too and can be mischievous. And also has great empathy as considered a healer. The raven, people who have that raven spirit animal, they prefer to share knowledge with someone who appreciates the depth and breadth of the knowledge and can also in, in, uh, appreciate the challenges that await along that path, kind of going back up to being a secret keeper. The raven, as a spirit animal, will lead you generally to not share your knowledge and your experience with just anyone. Uh, kind of harkens back to, you know, pearls before swine kind of thing. Um, we have to understand, think about it, that, you know, when, when you look at a raven and in bright sunlight, their color's not just black. You can see that there's a lot of other various shades of bloom in there. So this kind of undertones the idea that the raven as a spirit animal will help in shape-shifting. And that when we're talking about shape-shifting here, we're also talking about, we'll talk about this uh, later as well, uh, about being able to blend in uh, with your environment and being able to match language. Uh, not necessarily vocabulary language, but the way of speaking to the people that you're around to match your crowd, so to speak. So, Raven as a totem animal. What, what is raven if we call it as a totem animal? Right? People who were drawn to raven as a totem are inventive and mischievous. Um, 
they're generally not afraid of darkness in any in any way. Not whether it's physical or whether it's you know mystery or whatever. They they embrace that with a passion. Um, people who are drawn to Raven as a totem will be able to really really connect with that with the divine or with the higher self uh, people who have raven as a totem are almost like uh, a human version of mercury the greek mercury uh you know being a messenger uh for the gods they 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 straddle the they straddle the worlds uh one foot in both sometimes and they're able to communicate that uh, whether that's something just like you know everyday guidance uh, to anything very very deeply spiritual they walk the line between these worlds uh, acting as a bridge of sort they tend to be very very magical um, they tend to be people who look deep inside of themselves and are not afraid of the darkness that they see. They're not afraid of what hides in the shadows. Uh, they're not afraid of that which is they feel is holding them back. They will bring it into the light and, and either disempower it or give it power in a new direction so that it can be used not as a liability uh, but as a boon. So, Raven is a totem animal. Raven is a power animal. It's a little bit different connotation, but not a whole lot. You know, when 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 you have Raven as a power animal, um, we're talking about we're starting to talk about inner shaman. You're you're bringing out your shamanic abilities, whether it's you know whether it's specifically trained or not, but that kind of idea. Um, you, you, you learn to connect with nature um, you anticipate change you look for new perspectives uh, you become ready very ready to look into the unconsciousness of yourself and looking to who you truly are and this is a very very difficult thing to do uh, it's a very important thing to do but it is very difficult because it brings it brings about long-lasting healing and 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 in your mind, body, soul, the whole nine yards, um, preparing yourself for that rebirth into a, a a more perfect you. And in talking in this vein, also remember that the raven is extremely intelligent. It has a more it's more communicative. It has a higher vocabulary pattern than the parrot. Um, so, as a power animal, hearkening back to what I mentioned earlier as a totem, as a power animal, Raven, Raven offers the ability to look at people around and to match the communication with them using things like your intuition and your senses so that you can help communicate or you can communicate more effectively to those around you. you know, 
raven is a power animal when when you know you're you're looking at a broader view um you're looking at spiritual and psychic awakening uh you're 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 able to see things beyond the horizon of those who are stuck on the ground and that goes true of a lot of of bird type uh power animals uh that's something they have in congruence uh is that if they're able to focus on the future or outlying things those of a bird nature are in the air so they can see past what we can see on the ground they can see beyond the horizon of what we can see so they can see patterns welling in the distance that we may not be able to see so that is something that the the raven as a power animal can help with as well that broad view raven raven also can help as a power animal in reclaiming those things that are yours that have been taken from you this may not seem like a raven kind of thing but consider that the raven likes to collect shiny things and the raven will also collect those shiny things from other ravens uh call that stealing if you wish <laughs> but ravens will ravens if if one raven finds something shiny and takes it and he doesn't hide it another raven if another raven finds it they'll take it and hide it and it's interesting because ravens uh are tricksters and ravens have even been known to take something shiny from another raven and then go and pretend to hide it in one place and then go and actually hide it in another place so their concept the concept of them as a trickster is is not too far off base um ravens are very 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 intricate deep animals i don't remember the animal behaviorist that has said this but he considers only four types of animals in 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 existence today able to talk about or communicate amongst themselves about things that are removed in time and space from the other that they're communicating with those four animals that he says can do that are humans ants ravens and i forget what the other one is forgive me for forgetting but there's only four of them raven is one of the four he says that they're able to communicate information to those of their species about something that is removed in time and space like for instance being able to communicate being able to find a source of food and being able to fly back to their mate or whatever and communicate that to the mate and then the mate being able to find it without ever having been been being there bees excuse me i am so sorry bees uh bees are the other animal that can do that um according to this 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 uh, uh animal behaviorist i don't know if that's true or not but according to this animal behaviorist and i feel so bad that i forgot about the royal bee without the bee we would not be so all you bees out there please forgive me uh but the four animals humans 
bees, ants, and ravens. So, ravens have been considered by some to have the largest vocabulary of any other bird. Let's wrap this up. Ravens. They've been around in a very important way for a very, very long time. We talked about the Greco-Romans. We talked about uh, Hebrew and Christian. We talked about you know the Middle Ages. Uh, we talked about. Uh, we touched on you know the Middle East with the Islamic culture. We talked about the Viking Age. We talked about the Celtic traditions of England. Uh, I mentioned uh, Serbia, South Asia, Zoroastrianism. Uh, we talked about several different uh, Native American uh, myths and, and histories throughout this continent. Uh, you know, it, 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 the raven has been around and has been very, very important in a lot of different times, a lot of different places. So, raven, for lack of a better word, raven symbolism and raven medicine to 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 co-opt a phrase i don't like to co-opt but um i I really don't know how else to put it uh raven imagery raven medicine it's very very powerful it talks of transformation it talks of prophecy it talks of magic it talks of communication it talks of intelligence it talks of shape-shifting yeah the raven i hope that something I've said today gives you pause enough to think about it. I really haven't talked about anything controversial today. It's all pretty much right there. Uh, but if you differ in your interpretations of things, please uh, please reach out to me. Uh, you can email me at manager at internationalpaganradio.com uh, with any of your thoughts. Uh, you can go to the anchor.fm page that is the homepage for this podcast. Uh, find my podcast there, Ponderings of the Pagan Priest under Onyx Raven. And you can leave a voice message uh, for me if you would like for me to use your, use your voice on the air, on not the air, on a stream and a podcast. I can do that from there if you leave a voice. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Let me know what you think. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. I want to remind you about International Pagan Radio. You can find us at internationalpaganradio.com. Uh, this is a 24-7 streaming pagan radio station. It has music shows, uh, the whole nine yards. So it's streaming. It's not live. It's all canned. Uh, but very interesting shows, very great music from around the world. Go check us out. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, there's a group there. There's a page there. So I want to thank you for hanging in there and listening to me. I want to thank you for your patience while I was away. I want to challenge you to be the best you can possibly be. And I want to remind you that we are evolving and I want to challenge you to be involved as we evolve thank you again in all things 
may you blessed be. Thank you again for joining me for Ponderings of a Pagan Priest. If anything in this episode planted a thought seed or engaged you to think that I'm blessed, it doesn't matter if you think like me, but it does matter if you think. We are evolving and I challenge you to be involved as we evolve. In all things, may you blessed be.